This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Look, we all know from experience, compliance sucks. But what if I told you that there is a better way? Our good friends at Bycheck developed the first ever managed service for SOC 2. Leverage the innovative Bycheck platform and a combined experience of over 30 years from the Bycheck team to complete your SOC 2 examination faster without the headache. The Bycheck team works as an extension of your team to prepare evidence, draft SOC 2 report sections, and provide all the necessary artifacts to your team to then provide to auditors. Reach out to the Bycheck team by dropping down into the show notes and visiting bycheck.com. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. And in this episode, we talk to Paul Rivera, a CEO with a very interesting education background. And we talk about his journey in building DefLogix, the company he leads today. So without further ado, let's jump right to the episode. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. In the studio today, we have Paul Rivera. Paul is the president and CEO of DefLogix. Paul, we recently met. Chris had an opportunity to jump on the phone with you, and he said, we have to bring Paul on the podcast. But wanted to say thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Paul, when we had that discussion, I said, get this man a mic. Your origin story is incredible. For the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Let's see. I can go way back. Born in New York, Bronx, New York. My mom was a single parent. We ended up leaving New York, ended up going to uh, Texas, and then from there kind of bounced back and forth between Texas and New York for a while. Growing up, not uh, having, I guess, a father figure, I kind of relied a lot on TV, (laughs) you know, watched a lot of sci-fi, Star Trek, whatnot, and uh, really got into sci-fi. And and that kind of really got me into looking into, wanted to be an astronaut and everything and got me into science. You know, as I got older, I had a little bit of a rebellious side to me. So I ended up quitting school when I was 15. But the funny thing, and this is probably not a good thing to say, <laughs> I actually started learning a lot more once I quit school. And I started going to the library and just started, you know, reading on my own, reading about a lot of sci-fi. And so I'd like to learn about the science behind the sci-fi stuff. And so it just brought me into, you know, learning about physics and chemistry, math, whatever. And so then I just started really learning on my own. Why did you quit school in the first place? I don't know. I just never felt like I fit in, especially like when I moved from New York to Texas. It was like culture shock because I was, I was used to a big city and I'd never really been out of New York City. And back then, like when well, my mom used to watch Dallas. And so we came to Texas, we moved in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area and, and then we were driving. And I thought to myself, like, these are cities, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, these are cities. Oh, my goodness. You know, so. And it was different because like in the neighborhood I kind of grew up in in New York because we lived in the Bronx and then we moved to Queens. Queens was kind of like at least the neighborhood I lived in was uh, Woodside. It was a good mix of people, a lot of almost everything there. You know, you had South Americans, Chinese, 
Eastern Europeans, Italian, Irish, whatever. And it was just a big mix of different kids and we all played together and whatnot. And so coming to Texas, it was very different. It wasn't as diverse, let's put it that way, right? And it was different, you know, Puerto Rican. And so moving to Texas, everybody assumed I was Mexican, although I am a quarter Mexican on my mom's side. And so it was really a different culture. And so I never really felt like I fit in. And number two, I was really shy also, super shy kid. And so that was a big factor in me not feeling, not fitting in. And then I just decided to quit. I guess it was, in a way, it was like kind of social anxiety or something. I don't know. And so, the, you know, that was kind of the reason, I think, was a major reason for me. And then, like I said, I started really doing my own thing. And then eventually I kind of like, okay, education is important. I'm going to have to go back to college. So I started going back to college in my early to mid-20s. And I got my degree in my late 20s. And then I got into computer science. And, and that was even a long road to computer science. I mean, initially I, I wanted to do engineering. The math was a little tough for me because I had missed a lot of the math that you get in high school. So that was a little bit of a challenge. But then I, I really liked philosophy and uh, history. So then I was like, well, maybe I'll be a lawyer, you know. And at this time, I, I moved back to New York and uh, I was going to Queens College and, uh, and I was working in a law firm. But seeing what the lawyers were doing and everything, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this full time. And then eventually I took a logic course in philosophy, you know, because of my hero, Mr. Spock and everything. I want to learn logic, you know, <laughs> and uh, one of my heroes, Mr. Spock. So then I was like, okay, I want to be like a little bit like Spock. So I took philosophy and logic course in philosophy. And then I took computer science with that kind of to get a concrete application of logic. And then I loved programming. So one of the first things that I did was a simple calculator. But it was really cool because I thought to myself, wow, so now you know, I don't have to get a pencil and paper, even though I, mean, I could have bought a calculator, but I made a computer do calculation. And so that's when I just kind of fell in love with programming. It stimulates that creative side also, because you're creating these programs to do whatever you can dream of, right? So that really was a big reason why I actually moved into computer science. That's great. I think when we look at technology, and especially in the field of cybersecurity, there's a lot of misfits. There's a lot of people that fit into this community because they have such unique backgrounds. We've had a few guests on the show that I would say are of a bit similar background where they didn't finish school. They took alternative routes and got degrees and higher levels of education in other ways. What do you think was the big missing piece of the puzzle, at least early on in life, that made you feel as there wasn't that sense of belonging? Do you think it was the fact that you weren't in New York anymore? Or do you think there was something deeper than that? It's hard to say because it's, I think it's very complex. Like each individual, there's going to be lots of variables that, there to kind of like, again, I'll speak for myself. You know, I think one of the core things was basically the shyness when I was a kid. I mean, I actually got left back in second grade because I was so shy. So I wouldn't speak to the teacher. So I think for me, was that shyness. And then as I got older, like let's say high school, middle school and high school, I felt like I thought differently than a lot of the kids around me. Things that I viewed like what other kids were thinking about, like not really important, I guess. I just felt like I didn't really think the same way that uh, a lot of my peers around me thought. Could you give us a story about thinking differently? Like, for example, clothing, right? So when I was younger, I thought to myself, a lot of kids would get the fashion whatever, you know, name brand stuff. 
And I always thought to myself, okay, it's just clothing. It doesn't really change you as a person, I guess. And then I always thought to myself, like, if I learned something or I got better at something, then that's something I, I thought was important. Like, hey, I can, I can run faster or I can do more push-ups or, or, you know, to me, that's, that was something, whereas I felt like clothing, cars, this, that, I guess the materialism, right? That was kind of like something I always thought was not very important. And I always thought what was important was like learning more, getting better at things and, and that kind of thing. Self-improvement, I guess. I think one of the areas that I've noticed between Chris and myself is we really think differently because Chris is very intuitive, I'm a very logical person. I'm like, if this, then that. I need everything to be laid out sequentially and I think very logically. And I think that's why I really enjoy programming. And it sounds like maybe you kind of relate to that also. Yeah. And again, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes thinking that if this and that, there is a a path to success thinking that way too. But intuition also is, is another thing that can lead to and again, everybody's different. You have all these different variables that make each person and you can gain a lot of strengths with that and as well as weaknesses, right? So if you're too black and white in thinking, that can cause you to make mistakes if you can't think outside the box, right? Because I mean, even like doing a business, you kind of have to take a leap of faith because it's like, okay, if this, then that, you may not have all the answers. Right. You're working in gray areas and unknowns and you just got to just have that gut feeling and say, you know what, I think this can happen or I feel it can happen. And then you just, you go for it. That also makes me think of ways of learning, right? There's ways to communicate, there's ways to think, but there's also ways to learn. And one of the books that I, al I always talk about on this podcast is Managing Oneself by Peter F. Drucker. It's a Harvard Business Review book. And he gets into the different ways that people learn, which is such a critical element of how we communicate and how we think. For me, I am the type of learner that needs to listen and also needs to speak. When I'm able to hear instruction, that's great for me. But when I'm able to work with someone else and speak it back to them, it almost feels like I get to learn it twice. What do you think your key way of learning is? I call it the school of hard knocks. <laughs> 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 so... I guess that's my way of learning. But typically, whenever I do something, I'll research the heck out of it to the point where it's like, okay, I can't learn anymore about this thing. And I just either got to do it or not do it. I think in a way, the reason why I do it that way is because maybe that insecurity, I have to feel like I know as much as I can before I can move forward. And then once I learned as much as I can about it, then I do it or don't do it. But usually I usually have to research the heck out of something before I actually will move forward on something in a way that I think for business, it could be a weakness because then you don't act soon enough, you know, even though you have a gut feeling like, you know what, I think this is the right way of going. Then you research the heck out of it and you're like, I should have done this sooner and you go for it. But I think it's always that, um, at least for me, that's the, the approach I take. Again, I, I kind of see advantages and disadvantages to it. It's good for not making big mistakes, I guess. That's the kind of the strength about it. But it's a lot slower and the rewards, usually if you can act sooner, you can reap better rewards following your gut sometimes. You talk about learning. You talk about your own personal values as a kid and how that's 
reflected in your today. You've built a company, which is no small feat. There had to have been a lot of challenges with feeling this feeling of insecurity when it comes to relating to other people, but you decided to bet on yourself and build this thing that you're proud of. Can you tell us about a challenge that you went through in building this company and how did that show your own personal value to the world? One big challenge I remember was about, I think it was like 2013, 2014. So when I first started the company, I basically landed a little contract. It was really just me and I had to kind of made a, a negotiate to where I would hire on another person. I had like a, a prime contractor, if you will, hiring me on. They had tried to like, you know, absorb the company. You know, they wanted to, well, hey, you want to just work for me? And so I was like, no, nah, I want to just kind of keep this going. And then uh, it was a great opportunity. You know, they, I got a chance when I first started the company to get my first contract and work. But some of the agreements weren't, I don't know how to phrase this or not, but but there was a challenge there where I had to, you know, look at other partners to go ahead and pursue my delusions of grandeur, <laughs> you know, of building a company from one guy, you know, one person. That was like the first challenge. But I, I would say the major challenge was after three, four years later, I had gotten the company to about like a dozen people. I had one big contract coming to an end. Then I had basically people started to quit on me because, you know, they were like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to have a job with this contract ending. And so, you know, I'm looking for more work and whatnot. Once I had like two or three people quit, then I started getting like people coming to me and uh, demanding, you know, I want to have ownership in a company and, and this, that and the other. And it was kind of a challenge at that point because like, OK, and I guess I was dealing with a lot of personal drama with a lot of the uh, people who were working for me or what I was working with. And then, you know, I got to a point like, you know, man, this is not really worth it. I'm the one doing all this stuff, trying to keep everyone employed. And then I just felt like they were kind of like somewhere kind of taking advantage. And so there was a point where I was about to just close down shop and say, you know what? I don't need this drama. I can do just as well with doing something smaller. So in my mind, I already had shut down the company. Uh, but I still had clients and I couldn't like just leave them hanging like that. And so I'm like, okay, well, what would I do differently if I was to just shut this company down and start a new one? And I said, okay, well, I would do this, this, and this. And so I'm like, okay, well, I could shut down the company and start from scratch, or I could keep this thing going and just do it. And at that point I was like, because I had this idea of like, okay, this company's gone you know, I could still do X, Y, and Z, right? And so I just started doing that. And that's when I was able to start growing the company even further. And it really was really, I thought to myself, well, you know, I would delegate a lot more, have more people like not be in one deep with individuals. And I just started implementing that. And then, you know, the company started growing even further from there. That was a challenge in that, you know, I almost just gave up, <laughs> I nope. guess, you know. And instead, what I did is did a, re a reevaluation of what I feel like I, I was doing, what I needed to change, like learning from, I called it DefLogix 1.0. And I said, I'm going to create DefLogix 2.0. That's when I made a huge impact in, in the growth of the company. And I started thinking outside the box from there, you know. It sounds like you did go back to the school of hard knocks and 
just roll your sleeves up and instead of starting over, really face the the challenge head on. I think that's where growth really happens. That's where you really get to see what you're capable of, what your business is capable of when you just go in and face those hard challenges head on. Chris and I, we actually went through some of the same growing pains. We were doing a lot of things by hand in our production. We were doing everything for the business. What we learned over time is by having a professional and something that they love doing, something that they find purpose in, they can really help propel and help your business succeed. One of the things that Chris always says to me is burnout is capable of happening when the task that you're doing is not in line with your purpose. Do you think that's what was happening for you? Do you think you were doing these things that weren't in line with why you originally started the business? Yeah, I, I do think that that was definitely a factor. You know, and the, and the things that I like to do is I like thinking of, I call them harebrained ideas. And with those harebrained ideas, I like to propose those to clients. And then basically, I like creating solutions, essentially, and, and then thinking about like, okay, you know, I can, if we use this technology here and this technology here, we can solve this particular problem. And so I think that's kind of fun. And some of the other stuff that I'm like doing is, you know, dealing with the kind of the HR stuff. Again, I feel like I'm more a shyer by nature type person. Those things are a little bit more difficult. Also, and this is kind of crazy, right? I'm the CEO and president of a company, but I feel very uncomfortable with business networking and, and whatnot. But I, I do it, right? But it's something that I don't feel super comfortable doing. But it's fun, too. There is some joy and, and fun with it, but it's not my forte. You know, there's some people who love, really love doing it. And they're really great at connecting with strangers at business gatherings and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I think that those little aspects of building a business, which I had to learn anyway, but those are some of the things that I think we're chipping away at the joy of trying to <laughs> make your delusion of grandeur occur. And, and that's when, you know, like I said, with delegating more, finding people who, who know what way better than what you can do. And that made a huge difference in uh, being able to grow the company. But yeah, I do agree that if you're not in alignment with what makes you wake up in the morning, that's when the burnout occurs. Paul, there's somebody listening right now that is incredibly shy. They feel like they're an outsider. They feel like they don't relate to people around them, and they think differently, much like you did when you were younger. What piece of advice would you have for that person as they embark on their own personal journey? I would say get out of that comfort zone. You know, I think getting outside that comfort zone helps you to grow. It helps you to build the skills, the ability to grow and to make those things that you want to do in life happen easier. Like I said, you just got to do it, right? I hated doing presentations in front of large crowds. I did it the first time. I'm sweating like crazy, you know, sweat dripping off of me. You know, that first presentation on a large crowd, I do it the second time. It's not as bad. Third time, not as bad. And then finally, you know, you still feel uncomfortable, but you can do it and you start to get better at it. Same thing with writing and, you know, just get outside that comfort zone. Do it as many times as you can until you have that discomfort under control and, and you master that thing that you're trying to master. Paul, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us today. It was a true honor 
For folks that want to stay up to date with you and your company, what are the best ways that people can do that? Well, you can go to our website at uh, www.def-logics.com. We're a cybersecurity company. Research and development is our primary forte, and we also do software development and secure networks. And that's where you kind of see our blog and see some of the things that we're doing. Awesome. All right. We will definitely put that into the show notes, the link to your website. If you Google it, there's also uh, why you should work there. So maybe you'll find some new employees from this podcast episode. But thank you so much for joining us today, Paul, and we will see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.